Okay, here we go. We got sideline debate going over here. Healthy debate. You know, we're, this is apologetic realm over here. I like it. We're going to get started today. We need to remember first off as we get going, let's remember Keith Cooper. He was um, put in the hospital last night. I saw Cindy out there, but I don't see her in here right now. Okay, because she's going to the hospital. Oh, Keith, um, he was coughing a lot and congested. He went to the hospital. He started throwing up, and uh, he thought he had a severe sinus infection. And when he got there, he started throwing up. Apparently, he has pneumonia. And then they were concerned that he has a blood clot. And so we just need to, I just believe today that we can just take authority over this situation and... And we can, uh, let's pray for healing on Keith's, but Mike, where is he at in the hospital? In case somebody wants to see him. Greenville? Okay. Well, we can visit him with our prayers, can't we? Amen. So we're going to do that. We're going to do that this morning. Who else has something? Yes, Nelda. What's his name? Sonny. Let's pray for Sonny today. Deborah Frost. Frost Need to continue to remember her. Yes, touching her body. Yes. Good. Good. Go ahead. Yes. Oftentimes out of her mind. Opening a portal. Okay, here. Go ahead, Tim. Yvonne has been building a relationship with this girl. I don't mean to steal your story, but you weren't over here, babe. So, She's been building a relationship with this girl and a relationship, and she's been, if you guys know Yvonne, she doesn't have a mean bone in her body. So she doesn't, she doesn't speak, like, in authority to people sometimes. She's real passive. So yesterday, God laid it on her heart to stop being passive and start speaking in authority. And, um... So she started speaking over this girl and speaking the demons out of her. And the girl literally, she was all, hey, hey, what's going on? What, what, what's going on? And Yvonne said, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is removing those demons from you. And she literally, she, she, she denied it. She ran off. But then she came back. She was just saying that, you know, that God isn't real. All this is all, it's untruth. And I said, that's not true. And I, t and I stole Mike's thing about prayer being a time traveler. And so I was reaching out. Mike, I used your stuff. But I did. Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was like, you know, I said, my pastor says that our prayers are time travelers. I said, and I've been praying for you. I pray for you all the time, Olivia. And she goes, what do you pray for me? And I said, okay. So I started, I, I, I knew it, and I could see it in her eyes, y'all. This was the most, um, it was just a trip, okay? It was just a trip. And um, I could see it in her. Like, I'm looking at her, and I'm like, you want to know what I pray for you? You want to know what I pray? So I proceeded to say the prayer, and I just was praying prophetically about how she will surrender to the one true God, that she will become a woman of Christ. She's standing there, and she's looking at me, and she's looking at me, and I just continue to pray over her life and tell her how that she will 
truly surrender and give all to Christ. And she will surrender and she will become the woman of God that he created her to be because he didn't create you for this life. He created you to live and to prosper and to use your purposes for his kingdom. And I mean, I was just praying just so fluently and beautifully. And I thank the Holy Spirit for that. And she says, what's going on? She said, she said, what's going on? I don't feel right. Son, I feel weird right now. What's going on? And I said, that's the Holy Ghost fire pouring down upon your life right now. And those evil spirits that are within you that are having just taking hold of your life don't like it. So, you know, and that's what this is. And she said, ooh, and she just, ooh, she took off and she was flailing around and she was speaking a bunch of I don't know what and uh and I was just like that's it right there sister that's God working within you that's great see that and that is what we're talking about and that's perfect for this morning we're going to open in prayer and we're going to get going into the message I know you got a comment we're going to have to wait Lord I praise you I praise you God ah Holy Spirit we thank you I thank you, Lord, for bringing about the timing of this lesson, Lord God, that you have punctuated it with an example in advance, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, as you have spoken to me already, that we are entering a day of proclamation, that the people of God will find the voice of God once again, and they will come out of hiding, they will come out of their secrecy, and they will come out of their clandestine Christianity, and they will find their voice again, the voice of boldness and of confidence, the voice that is empowered by the Spirit of God. We welcome you, Lord God. Every person who hears my voice will have an opportunity to receive the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Not everybody will receive it today, Father, and you know the difference, but I ask, Lord God, that we could have an astounding reception rate, Lord God, just like they did in the upper room, Lord God, where 120 had gathered. Now, 400 had been witness to your resurrection, but only 120 remain, Lord God, but every single one of them, Lord God, received the fire baptism and and all of them spoke in other tongues, God declaring, declaring that that other language would be a witness, God, not just to Jerusalem, not just to Judea, not just to Samaria, but to the uttermost part of the earth, God. And it was an undoing of the division of Babel, Lord God, where you divided people in language groups, God, until the day your spirit would come and you would unite us all under the banner of the Holy Spirit to go forth to the highways, the byways, and the hedges to the very ends. God, everywhere the sun raises, Lord God, they will hear the voice of proclamation in the name of Jesus and meet the needs, God. We pray for Keith right now in power and ask that you would heal him. And for Sonny right now in the name of Jesus, we send your word. Amen. How do y'all like that? So that's what, how many of you have ever wondered why God divided the earth at Babel? Babel. He divided them because they were not going to obey, and he told them to go to the ends of the earth. And he put, he put sons of God, angelic hierarchical spirits over every nation. That's Psalm 82. 
Psalm 82 says that. When he divided up the nations, and it's also Deuteronomy 32. You can read it. And he divided up the world under the Elohim, sons of God. Always angelic, supernatural. Psalm 82 says that they were junky in their job. They didn't do it right. They didn't judge in righteousness. They didn't uphold the righteous standards of God. See, many of you think that there was only one fall. There wasn't. Genesis 3 wasn't the only fall. Genesis 6 was a fall. And the sons of God, who are those sons of God? The Elohim. And the Elohim saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. And they created some sort of a union with them. And then that was a fall. And then there was another fall. It was at Babel. Where they were like, we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. We're going to do Genesis 6 all over again, but we're going to do it here and now in the plain of Shinar. We're going to connect to the unseen realm, and we are going to be a portal of the spirit realm. And God's like, rebels. Who's God going to judge? Everyone. In accord to wherever you're standing, whatever banner you're standing, I'm going to be judged under Christ's sacrifice. It's called the judgment of works. The sons of God, the angels, the Elohim, they're going to be judged. According to Psalm 2, they're going to be judged, and it says that they are going to die like mere mortals. What does that mean? He's going to destroy them. They don't know. They're not mortal. They're not mortal, but they will. He he threatens them. He doesn't just threaten. God promises them immortality. So when we look at this here, when when Babel, when God just divided the earth... When he told the children, he said, you're going to go. I want you to go. Where? Everywhere. Greenville? The park? To Olivia? To your dying and lost family members? That's your Jerusalem. Right there. It's the closest place to your home. Right here. Jerusalem. I mean, there are so many people who won't serve God because of their Jerusalem. The home they were raised in. I hear people say that all the time. Well, my mom and dad were very much in church, and they were this and that, and they didn't live right, and they were, you know, this and the other. Because they're Jerusalem. They couldn't serve God in their Jerusalem. You know, the power, the Holy Spirit gives you power to serve in your home. Surprise! The power of the Holy Spirit is there to cause you to love your husband, to cause you to love your wife. The fruit of the Spirit, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Say it, love. You know, wait, love is the main fruit of the Spirit. All the other things hang off of love. Joy hangs off of, you don't have love? You don't say, well, I'm short on love, but I'm along on joy. No, no. Love is the fruit that has like all these different components to it. Joy. Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, patience, 
Self-control. So, you know, that's what you have the power to be a witness to your home. You can serve one another just like God serves you. I will quote to you one of our mentors in the faith, Harold Thompson, been gone for years. He said, we had a couple in our church and they were splitting up. And he, the husband was the one acting, you know, I don't, I've tried everything. I've tried everything. I've tried everything to get her to come back. I've tried everything to get her to come back. I've tried everything. She don't want to. And Brother Thompson said one of the most profound statements I've ever heard. He said, Brother, I have never seen a man lose his wife that he didn't want to. He said, I have never seen a man lose his wife when he didn't want to. And you know what he had said to her? She's in the room. Sister, I have never seen a woman lose her husband that she didn't want to. So I see, see, Jeru, see, we're trying to manifest the power of God in the realm of power so we can do stuff that we think is cool or awesome or you know, make people go, wow, you're so anointed. If you can't be a witness in your home, you failed at stop one, Jerusalem. And I will give you power to be a witness where? Say it. Jerusalem. That's your home. Judea. Judea was the region that surrounded Jerusalem. That's your community. Let's get to your job. Let's get to your school. I mean, it would be a sad thing for people to go to work every week and for somebody to come along after you've worked there one, two, three years and go, you're a Christian? What did I just give you on your paper? You got an F. <laughs> he gives you power to be a witness on your work. You say, I can't, Andrew. They're going to fire me. He will give you. Wait, I'm not telling you to worry and be dumb. I'm, I'm not telling you to be dumb or to worry. I'm telling you that there's a way to be a witness by the Holy Spirit that you can stand, just like Daniel. I mean, don't give me that you work with a bunch of devils. Daniel, he was the head over the, wit, the witches, the warlocks, the soothsayers, and the necromancers. Because he was just lumped in as another guy who did things by the Spirit. But when, it came, when push come to shove, Daniel showed over and over and over again what his, my God is better. That's all he did. He just kept coming in going, my God is better. He saved all their no good lives. You know why? Because he was saving not just his life, but he was saving three other guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was preserving seed. And no matter where you go, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a preserver. The people in your job should benefit because of you, not in spite of you. 
You should be such a witness on your workplace that you work harder, you work smarter, that, when, that they wouldn't fire you for love nor money because they would get rid of anybody before they get rid of you because anytime you walk in the room, you bring the kingdom. Did y'all know the Holy Spirit empowers you for that? How many of you ever believed? I mean, when I take a job, I'm like, now you're not going to want me here because when I enter, you're not going to be able to live without me. Now y'all think, she's so full of pride. I'm not either. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I know. See, y'all are full of pride if you think that's a prideful statement. I know in whom I believe, and I actually am persuaded that he is with me. And if I walk into a job, God, it might be hard, and I've taken some hard jobs, and I've thought, God, this one's going to sink me, isn't it? And he said, no. I said, Lord, any man lacks wisdom, you said you'd give it to him. And he has given me wisdom on the spot. I took a job that the men, that they all worked for me. I had a whole staff of, of maintenance men, and their first statement was, I ain't working for no woman. And I was like, that would be fine with me. <laughs> so I'm like, good, good. I'd get there in the morning. You think I was easy trying to be sweet? No, no, I was giving them what they wanted. I'd walk in in the morning, 8 o'clock. I show up at 8 o'clock, but when I show up, I'm ready to work. They might get there at 7.30 and they're sitting in the room. And so all lights are out and they're all like, like dead. I walk in and flip on the lights. I say, you guys better take your antidepressants earlier. Not on me. I'm not waiting on your antidepressants to kick in before you can go to work. I say, you let your antidepressants kick in on your own time, not mine. I did. I literally did. I literally did. And they're like, oh, I hate her. But you know what? After a while, I mean, you won't like me at first. Then you'll grow to respect me. And then you'll appreciate me. And then they would come into my office at the end of the day. Andrea, I have a question. And it always, they, they said, we're not talking Bible to her. I never brought it up one time. They brought it up every time. Then they got to where they'd come in at 4.45 and say, we're here for our Bible lesson. <laughs> am I, Mike, am I lying? They all came to, I told one guy, one of my maintenance guys, he smoked or drank or all kinds of stuff, and he had a heart attack and bypass surgery. And he was talking about his bypass surgery. And I said, Daryl, if anybody needs to go to church, you do. He said, why? I said, good Lord, you got one foot on a banana peel and the other one in the grave. He said, what do you mean? I said, you smoke, you do this, you live like this, and you've had a heart attack. Aren't you not smart enough to see you're right on the verge of death? You ought to be in church because in any moment, you could wake up on the other side. You know where he was at like next Sunday? Church. See, you are anointed to be a witness in your Samaria. If you lose your job because of, you know what, that job, I did exactly what I wanted to do. I told him where we were going to go. One time, that guy actually came up and quit. He said, I can't work here anymore. He was talking about my secretary. I can't work with her. She's just driving me crazy. I said, Daryl, I, I was like, this. he's annoying me a lot. 
I was so close to getting rid of him. I was like, oh, I understand. I know sometimes you just can't work at places like that. I receive your resignation. Thank you for your years of service. And he went, well, you, 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 you know, I could probably make it work. Well, if you're going to make it work, you're going to have to get along with her because she's not going. You understand? Yes, ma'am. Okay. I still brought the kingdom to bear on it. You see what I'm saying? You got to know you're anointed to be a witness. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. See, now we've got a little bit further out. We got those people who are not really like you. The woman in Samaria, you know, they got their own belief system. Who do you say? That my people say it's on this mountain we ought to be worshiping God, not on that mountain and this mountain and that mountain. And my belief system, and I'm a Methodist, and we believe in drinking wine, and we're a, I'm a this, and we believe in sprinkling, and y'all believe in immersion. And you, you got power to witness there. They, it didn't say, well, I don't, we don't want to talk about it. We, we're going to witness there. You know what? And they might be a witness to you. They might have some stuff you need. So we're empowered to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where? Uttermost parts of the earth. China, Africa, Zimbabwe, Sri Lanka, Iceland, Mexico. That's what you're empowered to do. Some of you wouldn't leave this country for love nor money. You're so scared of your shadow. Come on. What am I talking? You're powered. What if, what if there's bad people there? Well, then that's why we're bringing, there's going to be. That's why we're bringing a good person there. You get how that, it's going to be dark. I don't want to go. What about being the light? Don't you understand? You're empowered to do it. Many of us are, we thought we were only empowered to stay in America and live the American dream. I wish to God, oh Lord, don't let me say it, but I'm going to. I wish to God he would destroy the American dream because it's destroying the church. I will, if I, you know, there's got to be a prophet stand up sometime. The pro, Elijah the Tishbite. Who was this man? I don't know what a Tishbite is, but he had a bite. It's all the Bible says about him. That's how it introduces him. Elijah the Tishbite. He shows up in his hometown, in the environment he lives in. And he's mad. He's madder than a biting sow. He's got some holy indignation. You know what he says? He releases the voice of the prophetic. And he says, it's not going to rain. He said, you're going to go broke, and 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 you're going to go broke. He told them all. It's not gonna, that's what it meant when it said it's not going to rain. You're going to go broke, and you're going to go broke, and you're going to go broke. It won't rain on my, until I say it rains. 
and he walked out. You know what they thought? <laughs> Crazy. Hey, guys, when's the last time it's rained? Uh, we need some, you know, we usually have rain at this time. So, what was that guy who came in and said that? Tishbody, go, go find him. Go find him. We need to talk to that, that man. We thought he was an idiot, but now we think he, we're going to kill him because we think he's a, the cause. As a matter of fact, I'm so mad. He called, what was he, a prophet of Jehovah? Just round up all the prophets of Jehovah. What do you mean to do with them? Kill them. Elijah picked a fight. Who put those words in his mouth? He went to the brook Cherith. There was still water in it for a while. The ravens, an unclean animal, was going and bringing meat. An unclean animal was bringing meat from a storehouse somewhere. Who probably had the most meat in the land? Who? The king. He was going to the king's storehouse. The unclean animal was going to the king's pantry and bringing vittles, provisions, flying over, an unclean animal flying over Elijah at the brook Cherith and dropping it. It was a prophetic witness to Elijah. Hmm. See, you got to know how to speak prophetic vision in the Word of God. An unclean animal's going to bring me provision? Odd. Okay. And he stayed there, but see, the prophetic word he released even impacted his environment, didn't it? Because the brook dried up. Due to what? Who said it wasn't going to rain? Ah, things started getting tough for him. But this man was no ordinary man of God. He wasn't a guy living the American dream. He didn't think it always had to be easy. He didn't think he always had to have, he didn't think church had to be convenient. He didn't think everything had to be delivered to him on a silver platter. And he didn't think that he couldn't endure under a little bit of offense. So one day, the brook dried up. The ravens stopped coming. Lord, now what? He said, I got another crow for you. I got another unclean animal. The widow at Zarephath. Zarephath was a, a, a land near Israel where there were unclean people. They were heathens. So he sent her to a heathen woman. He said, I've already prepared her for you. God couldn't be a witness in his own place. God couldn't get the attention of his own people because they were too busy going after wealth and comfort. They were too busy finding some way to make their life easier. And so they had mixed their whole life with idolatry. They loved God-ish. But they loved Ish, too. They went to church when it was convenient. When they weren't trying to, you know, hide anything. 
but they also went to their gods too. And you know, I'm going to quote Johnny Cash as Laney just gave me this song and it's just been going over in my head. You can go on for a long time. You can go on for a long time. You can go on for a long time. But sooner or later, God will cut you down. See, that's the problem with sowing and reaping. Is speed of seed gets us to thinking that there won't be a crop. But here's another law of the harvest. The longer it takes to bear fruit, hold up. What? Speed of seed. The speed of seed. Ever seed has a speed. I mean, let's y'all think about that. How many of y'all know horticulture? You know what I mean? I planted this year morning glories. You know when I got morning glory flowers? 60 days. Speed of seed. If I plant an apple tree, but to see the morning glories are already spent. You know what I mean? Their life cycle is, is come and it's gone. It's over. They are an annual, and they get hot, and they get fatigued. See, that seed only has a life cycle in it. It has a speed, and it has a life cycle. But if I plant an apple tree, same little seed almost, I can put it in the ground. When am I going to get for the speed of that seed? But how long am I going to have that fruit? So here this works on the good guys and it works on the bad too. See, some of you have sown some seeds. You've sown some seeds of perversion, of witchcraft, rebellion. You've sown some seeds of all kinds of seeds in your life. Your life has just been, you've sown the seeds of hurt. And you know what? Here's the deal with it. You thought... That it didn't, you didn't wake up the next day and it seemed like nothing had changed. So you got up and you invested again the next day. And it seemed like nothing had changed. Because you can go on for a long time. And then you get up and you just, there's nothing happened. I did that and it was kind of wrong. I guess God, I guess God doesn't care if I commit adultery. You see what I'm saying? I mean, we just live together because it's easier for our expenses to be. That way I can still live off of there. They have disability income. If I marry them, they won't have that disability income. And I will have to, and we won't be able to afford to live together. So God knows. He knows our situation. Well, yeah, yeah, but, we, but we're so, we're so, such revisionists. We paint God. We look in the mirror and look at us and we go, God looks like. Me. <laughs> That's not how it works, guys. So, speed of seed. So, it, so, you can be sowing something, and you sow, and you sow, and you sow, and then one day you walk into that fruit. You walk into the season of that fruit. That works for the good, and it works for the bad. Well, why does it sometimes take so long to bear fruit? It's because it's going to last. 
And some of you still are walking through seasons of fruit that you've sown a long time ago. But let me just give you a little piece of wisdom. The grace of God will help you walk through that season. He'll help you mend relationships with your children. He will help you to, see, he won't, you, didn't, you can't undo it. You can't rewind and act like it never happened. See, the seed you sown still bore fruit. I'm helping somebody right here. So you can't just go and go, well, now, look, guys, now I've changed. Isn't this great? And they're like, no. You injured the relationship for decades. It's not okay. And it's not okay that you think it should be okay. What you do is you begin to sow another seed and you show them through your new reality who you are in Christ. And you let that begin to bring the fruit. It will. It will. Because don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows... That, that shall he also reap. So if you're in a sowing season right now trying to sow something different because you sowed, the, you know it. Don't be pretending that you didn't. You know what those people would love to hear from you? I was wrong. I have no excuse. I listened to lies and I was selfish. If my family would say this to me, it would be amazing. Before my dad died, he came to our church in Archer City. And after church, he said, I'm sorry. I listened to lies about you. I listened to lies from your brother about you. And I know you. I know who you are. But I let him poison me about you. And I wish to God that my brother would hear this today. And he said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, well, then do something about it. I can't. You know how he is. He still didn't have enough backbone to challenge him. You see, I'm not up here today talking from a place that I don't understand. But I know how to be a witness in my Jerusalem. And I know how to be a witness in my Judea. I know how to be a witness in my Judea to my mother to my extended family. And I know how to be a witness in Greenville, Texas and fulfill the call of God. And I don't not be a witness in the others. Y'all see, y'all putting, y'all picking up when I'm laying down? And then I also know how to be a witness to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now you say, Andrew, I can't go to the other parts of the earth. You can go in two ways. You can go in your prayer, you can go in three ways. You can go in your prayers and you can go in your giving and you can go in your body. Many of you have never given one dime to missions. I don't understand that. 
Can I just be real today? I don't understand it. Why? You know why I don't understand it? Because you don't even understand your mission. You don't even understand what you're here for. To go into all the world and preach the gospel. Then you can give. Then we have, we support 40 missionaries every single solitary month. You're like, well, I don't know what they're doing. What they're doing something you're not. I don't know what they're doing with my money. Dear God, come to me and ask it. I will tell you what they're doing with you. We tell it every week on Wednesday what they're doing with your money, and we pray for them. Yes. Because you were ignorant. Yes. Hear it right here. I want you to. I used to not tithe because I used to always think, what is the church doing with my money? Like, who are they giving it to? Or what are they doing? What if they're just spending it on themselves? And God put it on my heart. He said, when you tithe, it's no longer your concern. Your tithing is between me and you. What they do with the money is between me and them. Because the reason he didn't want to tithe at the root cause, Tim, what was it? I used to think I, I couldn't afford, afford to tithe. Now I can't afford not to. Oh, we got more. No. <laughs> no, it's just. Um, can't afford not to. When, when, I, it, it just, it was crazy because it was like, you know, tithe and, and it'll come back to you. And when I first started tithing, that's what I was, I was like, man, where's it at? I was tithing for the wrong reason again. I was tithing to selfishness. Like, I don't see it coming back. But right. So, so God was again. God got on my heart. Stop worrying about it. It's not yours in the beginning. It's not yours in the end. It's mine. And you can, you can give it to me. All of a sudden, you start trusting, and you walk into a place of provision, and things start. And it doesn't even, and his resources don't even start coming in in the way of money only, do they? They start coming in in the way of all kinds of things, all kinds of opportunities. Yes, you start start walking in a kingdom economy. I wish that people would believe me when I say this, because I'm not lying. I'm not lying. Here's what I say about tithe. Many people in the house of God, they want to do great spiritual exploits. They think they're warriors. They think they're this. They think they're that. They want to know what their spiritual gift is, and they won't tithe. I'm like, okay, here, it's like this. It's like saying a kid coming up to you, a kid, and here's what they say. I am going to write a novel that rivals war and peace. Awesome. Awesome. That's great, right? You're like, have y'all seen War and Peace like this? Okay, that's fantastic. I mean, it's a work, a literary work of art. That's excellent. So, um, so what, what books are you reading? Oh, I hate to read. As a matter of fact, I, I can't even read. I don't even know the ABCs. I think that's stupid. I don't believe in ABCs. Then you're not going to be writing a book, sweetheart. <laughs> that's the same thing. People who don't believe it, they come up to me. I don't believe in tithing. Tithing is the ABCs 
of your spirituality. If you can't, if you can't learn the, it's the easiest part. See, you're not being, if you can't pass the test of tithe, it's the kindergarten. That's not advanced, it's kindergarten. And I hope I'm making some, people who are not tithing right now, I hope I'm making you uncomfortable. I hope you're getting a little angry. I like it when I feel it. You know what I mean? I like to grind it a little bit. Because <laughs> here's the reality. Here's the reality. I don't want to do this to your hurt or your demise. I do this because I know you're stuck in your season. You're stuck in your environment until you learn to start trusting God where you're at. That's it. Lord, I want to do great things. Start with giving tithe and offering. Lord, I said I want to do great things. I don't believe in that. The Lord says, I don't believe you can do great things. There you go. And that was in addition to your tithe, right, Dolores? Because you understand that tithe is to the storehouse, right? Because where you eat, you pay the bill. Is that not true? I mean, I eat at Cotton Patch. I don't say I'm going to run over to Chipotle and pay. I don't buy gross. I don't go to Walmart and fill up and they say, I need to see your receipt. Go, oh, no, I'm going to go to Super One and pay. They say, you're going to leave the groceries here. That makes sense? So if this, if this offends you, you know what I say? Good. Good. I like to be offensive when needed. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so here we go. Parousia, it means to speak with boldness. You have the ability to speak with boldness in every situation you're in, be it in your home, be it in your, on your job, and be it in your community or in the uttermost part of the earth. The Holy Spirit brings boldness, boldness. I can't tell you the times in my life people have told me, well, Andrea, I could talk like you if I could be as bold as you. I say, well, the boldness is not in the pantry of Andrea. It's in the pantry of the Holy Spirit. If you're willing to be bold and surrender to the Holy Spirit, then you can be bold. What, what if I sound stupid? You probably will. I can't tell you the times I have qualified what I've said as stupid. I preached in Niger, Africa with two interpreters, and I thought it was the dumbest, most ill-received message ever preached on the face of the earth, and I could not wait to get out of that country because, you know, when you just feel like you do a bad job, you feel humi like you humiliate yourself. And then how many of you spend all that time, like I have so many times in my life, with that wasted thinking of going rewinding and rewinding and chiding yourself and acting like, you know what I mean? Because you think you're all that. Like it really matters how you look in the eyes of others. And so, and I'm not going to call on you. In Africa, what I did is I preached a message about a man drowning in the Niger River. And then what happened was they, did, they just sat there and looked at me like I'm a calf at a new gate. I didn't know they didn't believe in women preachers. That could have had something to do with it. So I didn't feel like things were being received very well. And on top of that, I've got two interpreters, and I'm, they're just looking at me going, these 
African man going. I really am. I'm like, dear God. In between as I'm waiting, that takes a long time to interpret those. You know what's going on in my head? Dear God, help me. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I'll never do this again. This is terrible. Why are you doing it? Why am I? And then I just keep talking again. And then, so that's me. That's me preaching. I'm a Holy Ghost and fire preacher. And I'm preaching and preaching and preaching. And inside, I'm going, this isn't, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. And I hear the voice echoing back, you're an idiot. And so here I am. And then I leave Niger. Nearly a year goes by. I just chalk that up to, whoa, glad that's over. The missionary comes back. He said, well, when y'all were there, he said some powerful things was done, but not so, nothing so powerful as when Andrea preached in that little container church in Africa. I said, what? You know what happened? There was a man drowning in the Niger River the next week. And I preached a message about a man drowning in the Niger River and how Jesus jumped in. We are the man, we are mankind was drowning and how Jesus jumped in and he rescued us from our drowning sin sick condition. Great message, right? Just wasn't going over. And so those men, they saw a man drowning in Niger. The thing I didn't know was I wasn't even culturally relevant. In Niger, in that part of Africa, they do not save drowning people. They believe that if a person's drowning, it's because demons are pulling them under. And if you save them from drowning, if they need to be saved, then they will be able to fight the demons off themselves. And if you jump in and try to save them, that you will be drowned with them. So when someone's drowned, they're like, good luck. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. But he was, a man was drowning in the Niger River, and the two men that were in the container church saw it. And instead of standing by and watching it, they jumped into the Niger River, and they pulled him out and saved his life. And then they're like, the community gathered around. They're like, why did you save him? Why did you do that? And they said, the American woman told me that Jesus jumped in the river of our lives and saved us. And then he said, he took them to his family, and their whole family got saved. A big family, a prestigious family in the area. They all got saved and started coming to the church. The pastor, who didn't believe that women should be preachers, only then wanted women to preach. I mean, and so why do I say that to you? I didn't think I was effective. Your effectiveness is not Based on what you see, sometimes the effectiveness you want to see in ministering and proclaiming the truth of God's Word is for your own gratification. It's because you want to feel a certain way about yourself and the situation. It's not because that you, you want it to feel gratified. And you don't always get to feel that way. Sometimes you just got to take... You've got to know, you've got to be okay with just being obedient. And you know what I found out? God will test you with the no feelings of consistent obedience until he can trust you with gratification. He's like, I want to see what you do without gratification. You know, and you're like, there's nothing, there's nothing working. You just keep going. What do you keep doing? What are you in this for? You in this for the, the glamour? You in this for the lamb, limelight? What are you in this for? What's your faithfulness hedged to? Is it hedged to circumstance? 
is it hedged to a certain outcome to your prayers? God, if you don't answer this prayer, I'm out. I can't do this any longer, God. If you don't answer this prayer, I'm just... I thought you were a disciple. I thought you were a follower, not a fan who has to be entertained. I'm teaching you all how to be a witness. And so we find out in the Word of God, it says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were gathered together in the upper room. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spake with tongues as the Spirit, the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit, who gives the words? Who did Yvonne get the words from? And you know what? And she got up and testified, and she was excited because she was gratified. It's okay to be gratified. But you don't have to be a prisoner to gratification. It won't always be gratifying. It's mostly not. I'm telling you, you're like, what? I mean, it's always good to be saved, but it's not always gratifying. People aren't always high-fiving you. People aren't always excited to hear your message. People aren't always excited. When I worked at the, the trucking company, I worked in trucking, oil field trucking, truck drivers. Filthy talking truck drivers. Mouthy. You know what I do? I had one guy come in, and he was cussing and mouthing me and telling me. And I, said, I said, you might talk to everybody else that way, but you don't talk to me that way. He went, well, it's known I have a certain kind of attitude. I said, I don't care. I said, I will go toe-to-toe with you every single time. He said, okay. And every time he walked in from then on, he was mindful of where he's at. Why? Why? I know. I know who I am. I know who I am. And I know when my boss would sit in front of me, old man, and he would cuss, and he would be perverted just because he knew it bothered me. And under my breath, I'd say, I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. And just look at him, and he'd go, this is I have to go. Bye. See, some of you don't know the power you possess inside of you. Because some of you don't possess that power, quite frankly. Because you're trying to access a power that you're not submitted to. You just can't do it. You start reaching for that gun. You start reaching for that weapon, and you're not under the submission to the power that ordered you, gave you that weapon, that weapon will fire blanks. You know what? That demon will speak back to you and go, Paul, I know. Silas, I know. Mm-hmm. But who are you? But who are you? And those demons attacked that man because they were just going through the motions of professing a power that they did not possess. So I will tell you, if you want to go out running your mouth to the devil and you're not under submission to God and you're not living in obedience to God 
and you're not in a place of faithfulness unto God, you haven't allowed the searchlight of the Spirit of God to see, look in your house and to let Him correct the places that are out of order in you, that you're trying to say, it's okay, God understands. No, He doesn't. He doesn't. <clears throat> your version of holiness will not hold up to God's requirement of holiness. One of the greatest things that William Wood said was that holiness is God's protection to his, no, grace is God's protection to his holiness. Gosh. Some of you are like, I don't understand that. Go dwell on it. What it means is, is that God gives grace not so you can do what you want. He gives grace so you can be a holy witness for him so that you don't make him look bad. Because then you'll be bearing his name in vain. I hope this is hard. I, I didn't mean for it to be, but then I got into the mood of it. I got into the room here, and I thought, oh, this is what we're going to do today, Lord. I get it. See, a lot of y'all think that I come in with this plan. Not at all. Not at all. It's a river flowing, and all I do is I just step in it, and I go, whoa, this is where we're going today. And today, it was going to be tough. Today, it was going to be a challenge. I can only presume that some of you needed to be challenged. But don't take the challenge. Don't get mad at me. Don't, don't take it out and go, she's tough. She don't understand my circumstance. She don't know. Well, I may not understand your circumstances, but the Lord says he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He understands every circumstance you're in and every weakness you have. He understands your financial needs. He understands everything. And I don't know, just for somebody right now, you're saying, I can't afford to tithe. I just double dog dare you to start tithing and see what you can afford to do. You can't afford not to tithe and try to get yourself out of your financial hellhole. What does tithe mean, first off? One-tenth. ABCs, guys. ABCs. One, two, threes. Yes, ma'am. That's it. He gives us the ability. He gives us the ability to obtain wealth. So see, because I feel like a lot of times the American dream consists of people wanting to be rich and comfortable. Right? And they think they're special. But I'm telling you, there is coming a release of the Spirit of God for those who will stand up and proclaim the Word of God without backing down, without apology, and without fear. And the Holy Spirit is going to descend in this next season. And the next season, as I see it, starts in the Jewish New Year, which is coming in about mid-September. And that year, I believe, is going to be a year of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow people. And he's going to say, will you invite me to work through you and stop inviting me to work for you? And that's where you're going to get to make a decision whether or not you're going to put up or shut up. 
whether you're going to stand up or be run over because God is going to have a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he is going to empower people to be bold proclaimers of truth who will speak truth to injustice, who will declare what the word of the Lord says, even to their own hurt. That's an Elijah generation. That's the witness that we see in Revelation 11. Y'all thought I didn't even know where I was at, did you? Elijah, it's an Elijah. People who are willing to call down fire where fire needs to be called down. That's such a blessing, Andrea. Thank you. I want us to go in power. I want you to question whether or not you want to be a bold proclaimer of truth, a compromised proclaimer of quasi-truth, or an undercover camouflaged Christian that people are surprised to find out you believe the way you believe. We're dismissed. They usually, they either, they assault you. They will yeah. insult you with regard to something, but what they normally do 